this morning. Thank you for being here. And as you may have noticed, you heard in our Advent reading, our Advent theme today is joy. Uh, as we were planning worship a few months ago, you know, we kind of uh, sometimes say, well, where is it going to land? Meaning, like, where, where, what's the bottom line? Where is this getting to? And maybe it was because I didn't really have a lot prepared yet, or maybe because the answer was so obvious, it's the, the Advent Sunday of joy. Where is it going to land? And I said, um, joy? Uh, like, that's... Sh- that, that's, it's that simple, and yet may, maybe it's not. And so let's, well, let's talk a little bit about how we get there today as we hear a message of good news that is great joy for all people. Joy and rejoicing are part of, at central to this story. Recently, one of our parents shared the letter that his uh, daughter had uh, elementary school daughter had shared had shared and written uh, to Santa uh, that was going to be delivered through their elf uh, Cookie, and this is what she writes: "Thank you for having Cookie come this year. She brings me so much joy. I love finding her every morning. I don't think I have much to ask for this year. I mean, maybe a few toys, uh, but I just want my family to be happy this year. I know that I have made my mistakes. I love this part." But I've also had my victories. (laughs) So I'm hoping you can make my family joyful, just like how I try to be anyway. Thanks. Whether we write it on the list or not at Christmas, joy is always on our list. And whether we know how to get it, and whether we know really even what it would mean to have joy, it is always on the list for all of us. Advent is the season of learning to wait for that, to hold out for it, to try and still anticipate it, even when we've been through some stuff, even when it is long in coming, even when we've been through losses, so that we would hold out for things that matter, hope and love and joy. I heard recently of another child who had uh, worked on this letter to Santa thing. He started his letter, Dear Santa, I've been very good this year. And realizing that Santa knew the truth, crumbled up the letter and started again. Thought he might have a better shot with Jesus. Dear Jesus, you know I haven't been very good this year. (laughs) And then realizing things weren't going very well at all, he crumbled up that letter and went to the nativity scene and found the Mary figure. And then went back to the table set Mary down by the piece of paper, and then started his final letter. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. (laughs) Advent teaches us not to give up so quickly (laughs) on on these things, Uh, not to have to resort to other measures. It is the challenge, the spiritual challenge to wait for things that matter in life. Another way of saying that is that joy is not always immediate, is it? It's not always automatic. It's one of the things that we find ourselves holding out for, waiting for, and perhaps discovering. One of the ways to think about joy is that we never actually find it by looking for it. That joy is always part of a package deal. It is something that comes along with something else. And so where are we going today? Well, I've told you the answer, right? We're landing on joy, right? And in the middle, we're, we're acknowledging loss. And so we're looking, I mean, at the, the beginning, we're, we're acknowledging loss and the kind of world that we live in. As we tell the Christmas story, we acknowledge the kind of world that we live in and the way those losses stack up and the way they can accumulate. 
So what's in the middle? What's, in, what's the middle thing between loss and joy? Well, in uh, this series, we're looking for ways in which the Christmas story is fleshed out in other places in the Bible, specifically in the teachings of Jesus. And, the, and th- we've never done this before, and I didn't know kind of how it would work. It's an experiment. Uh, you all are the guinea pigs to tell some parables of Jesus along with the Christmas story and see where those themes come out. And so if we're looking for themes of loss and we're looking for themes of joy, we actually find that in the parables of Jesus. Uh, in, in Luke 15, Luke, uh, Jesus, Luke has Jesus telling us three stories in a row. And, and they, they have these themes. And so th- this morning, let me walk us through those stories and see what we might find in our story. Luke 15 is about loss and it's about joy and it's about that middle thing in between. In each of these stories, uh, we find some similar things. One is uh, that there is someone who has lost something of significance, a sheep and a coin and a son. First, the sheep. There is a rancher who has a hundred sheep, actually. Maybe you've seen this short video of that, that plays into and helps us see, uh, those of us who don't own sheep, that sheep sometimes have trouble and sometimes get lost and, have, we, and, and need some help. This little video shows that. The sheep is in a trench. And you've got a little shepherd boy pulling him out of the trench. It's not going well. And then he gets free. And he's set free. Yay, run, sheep. So now you're caught up to the, what the original hearers of this story would have known already, that sheep get lost. And it's, it's a mess. It's one of the reasons why uh, we often are referred to as sheep in the Bible. Sheep get lost. Now, part of the story is clearly that this rancher is doing well because he has 100 sheep, and one of them gets lost. Now, I don't know about math so, so good, but in English either, but in school, 99 out of 100 is a pretty high A, right? So part of the point of this and all of the three stories is that it might be easy not to notice the thing that's lost. Some losses are obvious, as we're going to see, and sometimes in life they creep up on us and we don't even know. But this rancher does, in fact, notice. He has 100 sheep, only one is missing, and he notices it, and he goes looking for it. The second story is about a woman who has lost a silver coin. She has 10, she loses one, back to the math, 9 out of 10, still an A, right? Not so bad. In fact, if you had 10 quarters, stacked them up, Uh, you might not notice if that were actually a a stack of nine quarters. It would be easy to miss this. But the woman notices. And when she notices, what does she do? She lights a lamp. And she turns her house upside down until she finds it. That's that's the, the literal translation of the Greek. She turns her house upside down. Once when I was growing up, my aunt uh, lost the diamond out of her engagement ring. And it became a whole family thing to look for this thing. And, you know, you kind of look through the obvious places. I remember crawling around on their sidewalk, just kind of wondering where could it be. We, we started suggesting all the places this thing, this very small thing could have been. Um, and uh, they, we took the traps out of the sinks to look, if, see if they'd gone down the drain. 
we got, uh, somebody got into and sorted through the bag out of the vacuum cleaner, wondering if it might be in there. And at some point, I think we all kind of, mostly all of us thought, you know, this is, this, we're not gonna find this thing. My aunt kept looking and she found it. You wanna know where she found it? In a grocery, paper grocery bag. Down in the little like crevices of the bag, she found that she had saved the bag and she found the ring. It's a big deal, right? Such a big deal that 30 years later, I'm telling you the story, right? It's a big deal to look that hard and then to find something. And so how much bigger of a deal if the thing that you lose is not a thing, but a person and not just a person, but, but your grown child. And so the third story is the one that we know of as what? The prodigal son, which is truthfully not the best name for the story. Knowing now that we've, we're, we're in the, the rule of three, you know, so there's one, there's two, now the third thing. Okay, the third thing's going to ramp this up, right? The comedic rule of three, the folklore rule of three. The third one is going to be significant, and it might have a surprise, which it does. So this is uh, not how the story begins. Once upon a time, there was a prodigal son. It's not how Jesus tells the story. The story starts this way. There was a man who had two sons, which sets up the surprise of the third story, which is that the father doesn't know that he's lost his son. Now, you, you would say, well, hold on. Doesn't he? Because the, there, it's obvious the younger son comes to him, if you know the story, says, Dad, I want my inheritance early, and then goes off into a foreign country and squanders his wealth on wild living and then finds himself hungry and homeless and then is in every way lost. But what the father doesn't recognize is that the one that's still here, the older son, is also in trouble. Turns out the one who runs off and the one who are resp is responsible are both equally lost, the one that is wrong and the one that never did anything wrong, the older son. And he doesn't find it out until the story plays out, until the younger son comes back and there's a party. And the story actually ends with the father and the older son outside of the party looking for the joy, which is why we're telling the story today. Now, let me pause here. And let's take away one of the takeaways that's most obvious from these stories. And one of the most obvious takeaways for us is that it is actually pretty easy to lose things in life. Stuff, circumstances, people, relationships, there's a lot of loss. Here we are, one year after the tornado, after a natural disaster. One year after some of us went out into our neighborhoods, searching in the darkness for our friends and our neighbors and our family members, and you've heard the stories. One year after a lot of material loss, one year after the loss of 17 lives. I remember last year, like, you know, um, it seems like these, some of our disasters have been hard, and, the, and some of them have happened, happened on Saturday around here in the last four or five years. And, um, and so I, 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 we were moving. Uh, we were half moved during the tornado. The tornado hit our house, and then uh, we were trying to figure out what to do. And I had to get up uh, Sunday morning, and, and then Sunday afternoon we tried to finish moving. Sunday morning, try to feel like, like how do you talk about this? <laughs> you know, it's like we're, we're right in the middle of it. 
You know, one of the things that I, I remember saying, I don't remember a lot from that time, uh, but I remember saying, you know, we didn't know that we were signing up for this thing uh, with each other, uh, to be in it together, come what may. But we did. That when we, when we said yes to one another in Bowling Green, Kentucky, when we moved here by, by voting with our feet, we voted to be part of a community where we were in this together, even amongst our losses. We all know about losses. We can make a long list. This story is about that. It is an acknowledgement of what we say at Christmas, that this is not uh, God coming into an ideal world. Yes, there's loss. But there's also joy, as I've alluded to already. These three stories have this in common as well. They all three have a component, component of celebration, uh, of joy, because something has been found. And this seems to be the main point of all three stories. The thing that happens when the lost thing is found comes to the, the fore. The, short, the shepherd finds the lost sheep and he carries the sheep home and he calls together his friends and neighbors. No, he didn't call them because obviously he didn't call them. He called them together through great effort and said, hey, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. The same with the woman who's turned her house upside down. I envision like the house is still a mess, but she's got it in her hand and she doesn't call her friends. She goes and goes and uh, finds them goes looking for them and calls them together and says the same thing. Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. And so we know the final story ramps all of that up. If you get excited about finding livestock, if you get excited about finding money, then how much more so do, is there joy associated with re reconciled relationships? The younger son comes to his senses. He heads back to make a deal with his dad. He doesn't know, um, you know how that's going to go, and he doesn't really deserve what he's going to ask for. He comes together with a little speech, and that little speech says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And we don't even know truthfully, is he just using good religious language to get back in good graces with daddy, or is he sincere? We don't know, but it doesn't matter because while he's still a long way off, the father, as fathers do, as good fathers do, sees him, goes running, kisses his neck, hugs him, stops his little speech, puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his finger, which are signs of relationship, and accepts him back and say, says, in fact, go kill the fatted calf, which hopefully will open. I heard a news story about this pretty soon, right? Even today, it is a sign of abundance, right? Little plug for one of our tornado folks. Um, and it's only then in the midst of that celebration, in the midst of the joy, that we recognize the disconnect with the older son. And he gets a bad rap, but you know, truthfully, nobody even invited him to the party, right? The father didn't realize that the son was lost. He'd been there the whole time. And this is the, the surprise of the story. You catch that in every story, the father goes, uh, the, the person who's lost something goes looking for it, right? The shepherd goes looking for the sheep and the woman goes looking for the coin. But the, the father doesn't go after the prodigal son. He waits and longs for him to come back and he's heartbroken over it. But he does go, now is when he realizes who's truly lost. And he goes looking for the older son. 
he goes out to search for him. In fact, the word that is used in Greek is that he goes out to advocate for him. The Greek word is parakaleo. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It is the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who is the comforter, the one who is the advocate, the one who comes alongside. The father comes alongside now, goes looking for the older son who he didn't even know was lost. And he invites him back, goes to reconcile relationship with him. And so here's the, here's the story, right? That this is a story of loss and it's a story of joy. And in the middle, smack dab in the middle, it is a story of reconciliation, re- reconciled relationships. The father, who's really not concerned in the story about the, the justice of the things, the, the younger son squanders his life, the older son feels alone. But that, the father doesn't argue about that stuff. What he does is goes to find out how to be back in relationship with them. This is a story of reconciliation, and that's why we can tell this story at Christmas, because it is a story of joy, and it's a story of joy because it is a story also of a God who reconciles. Love up close and joy overflowing seem to go together in these stories. So it's a reminder of how good news and great joy always happen, I think. Let me say that again. It is a reminder of how good news and great joy always happen. And it is how reconciliation makes rejoicing inevitable. So maybe the, the good news of great joy for you is some kind of reconciliation with someone in your life this year. To maybe call someone up and invite them to lunch or invite them to Christmas or invite them to have a conversation where who's right and who's wrong might not be as important as the reconciled relationship. And I wonder in the last few years if you haven't noticed that this has been one of our greatest losses, a sense of being alone and isolated and the need for reconciliation. But maybe that's worth it in a different way to you now as you think about how valuable someone else is. And I hope that in that, you'll, I'll pray that you know the, the kind of joy that comes through rejoicing and then recon, re- reconciling and then rejoicing. And of course, we tell this story at Christmas because this is a story about God reconciling with us. This is God coming alongside us, coming and, and, and advocating and comforting us. It is a story of good news and great joy. Maybe you haven't caught this before because it's God's joy like a father who rejoices at getting a kid back. I always thought it was just about my joy. It is, and your joy. In fact, it's good news or great joy for all people. That's the deal, right? But that is kind of the deal, that this is about how God feels about all people. To say it another way, God's looking for us. He's not mad about it. God wants us back. And just as a loving father who isn't just going to be content with 50-50, one son and not the other, not going to be content with 9 out of 10, which is still an A, or even 99%, which is a high A, doesn't, doesn't matter. We'll still come looking. This is a story of rejoicing because it's a story of God's mighty acts of reconciliation coming after us. 
the reconciling and rejoicing that God brings into the equation. It is God's joy first, and then it overflows to the rest of us as God himself rejoices as he comes to us. Let's pray together. God, we hear this story truly as good news, and it's not cheap. As we think about the kind of joy that we're looking for, we realize that um, it doesn't come easy and that we're, we're, we're gonna have to hold out for it. And sometimes it asks more of us than we expect to give, more than we know how to give, more than even we have the strength to give. It is the kind of joy that is about reconciling relationship with one another. And so the, the ones of us who are struggling in that area this Christmas, I pray for your wisdom and strength and discernment for how to take the first step towards somebody. And God, we hear this as a story of good news, of great joy, because you took the first step toward us. In fact, that truth grounds everything else about us, our, the grace that we offer each other, the forgiveness we offer each other, the joy that we find in one another, It is simply out of the overflow of your joy. The joy of a father who comes looking for a son, comes looking for a daughter, comes to the world to come alongside of us and be God with us, Emmanuel. God, we pray that the world might be reconciled to you and that we might somehow be drawn up into this ministry of reconciliation as the New Testament puts it. You putting the world back together, one piece at a time, one lost thing at a time, one lost person at a time. God, we thank you that you've come looking for us in Christ, that we might be found, and that we might have joy. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue in worship through our giving as the ushers come forward, as the musicians come to lead us. Uh, This is our chance to bring what we can to this worship service and to this community. This is our story, and so find that place of realness in you as you worship, and trust that the thing that God brings to the equation is joy. The loss is real, the joy is real, and there's reconciliation in the middle. This is God's work in us. Let's celebrate it.